with another property profits real estate podcast it's my pleasure to have Todd on the call beautiful minneapolis and todd is a very explicit since 2008 he's done all sorts of cool stuff and he's done focuses on a lot of multi-families these days it's have me on dave pleasure so but how did you get started first? What that else was, and it was just being and educating myself that I decided, hey, I want to run my own business, and this real estate thing seems like a fun thing to do. So probably timing couldn't have been worse or better. It depends on how you look at it. Everybody now looks back and goes, well, timing couldn't have been better. But at the time, the real estate market was taking a complete nosedive. At the time I was starting to kind of research, the market was still pretty hot, but it took a complete nosedive, obviously, in 2000, late 2007 into 2008 and nine. And, you know, it was kind of scary waters, but I really wanted to do something else, get involved, and it made a lot of sense. So that was the kind of start is just honestly, just through self-education and getting involved in it. And like you said, I did a lot of fix and flips. I did some wholesaling. I bought a mobile home park. I bought a ski resort. I've done all kinds of different developments, seller financing stuff, multifamily, kind of done it all, done some commercial. So, and now my focus is multifamily syndication, value add properties, buy and hold them and, and keep them for you know five to eight years and kind of turn them over and do it again. So how long was it before you started getting into real estate, even in, in like the worst real estate market and living memory in, in the United States, before you're able to quit that good, secure school teaching job? Yeah, well, teachers in the U.S., I don't know what they make in Canada, but teachers in the U.S. don't make very much money. So I think I was making about $30,000 a year by the time I quit. And that was five years into my teaching career. So it took me from when I started buying real estate, it took me roughly two years before I quit my job. So did you jump right in? You start doing flips were the first thing you started doing is because you're a handy kind of guy or what, what was it? So yeah, first thing I did is actually about three houses all at one time, all within, they weren't one transaction, it was three consecutive transactions all within a couple of weeks of each other. Yeah. The first property, and I don't remember what order they came in, but the first property was single family my wife and I bought to, to live in and to fix up. It was a foreclosure, a complete wreck. We bought it, we fixed it while living in it and sold it a few years later to avoid the capital gain tax. The second property was a buy and hold rental property. I still actually own the house today. Purchased that, did a little bit of renovation, got the got the tenant, you know, talk about numbers. I purchased for $65,000, put about $15,000 into it and I was able to rent it for about $1,400 a month. So it was fantastic. <laughs> then the third property was a fix and flip and purchased that and honestly made no money on it. My first fix and flip was just was just nothing. And I really wasn't into fix and flips at the time. I, I didn't want to make that a big part of my business. It was more of the rental properties. The fix and flips started coming later after I ran out of money, honestly, to buy more rentals. So it was a means to continue to buy rentals. So you're, you got, I know a lot of people kind of think that way and 
sounds like you've transitioned, but they, they think, you know what? I want to buy the properties myself. I want to control everything myself. Yep. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to go do some flips, create some some chunks of change to go out and buy more long-term buying old properties. Is that what yep. you did for, for a chunk of time? Yeah, absolutely. I, I did about 150 fix and flips and I bought a bunch of uh, rental real estate as well. And so it was pretty much every you know two to three properties I'd flip, I would then buy a rental property. So yeah, right. it was... Uh, it wasn't an exact science on the formula, but it it worked really well to be able to get the down payments for the properties. And it was just a, a good way to make some additional capital. Yeah. Well, especially after you quit the, quit the school teaching gig, you needed to put the food on the table too, right? Yeah. You know, but like I said, it wasn't too difficult. I, mean, I didn't quit until I replaced my income. I, I needed, I had about six, I think at six rentals at the time to make that $30,000 back. So nice. Was, nice. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't take very long. Very good. So at what point did you transition from focusing on single family homes and start getting into multifamily properties? So I was stuck into the fix and flips and the single family rental duplex, you know, quad stuff like that for quite a while. And I didn't transition until 2015. Wish I probably would have done it a little earlier, but hey, you know, I had some good experiences along the way and really was able to learn and grow. So I can't complain. And, and even though sometimes I say, I wish I would have done it earlier, I really can't complain about the experiences I've had. So, but yeah, 2015, I transitioned into the multifamily and have been doing that full time since. Nice. Nice. So, so now out of your portfolio, you've got about 550 units in your portfolio right now. How many of those are multifamilies and how many are larger multifamilies versus? single family homes. Yeah. Large majority of them are multifamily. I mean, nearly 500 units is going to be my multifamily stuff. Nice. All right. So you built that up in a pretty short period of time. I mean, at the time we're recording this, it's starting to get to be late 2019. So you're looking at about four years that you've been really rocking and rolling with multifamily properties. How did you make that transition? What was it that kind of spurred you on to switch from single families to multifamilies? Well, what kind of triggered me to do it, first of all, when I first started doing this business, I wanted to buy multifamilies. I wanted to get a thousand units. That was my original like goal back in 2007, 2008. And I just didn't know really how to get there. I didn't understand multifamily thinking I could buy a 200 unit building. Like that didn't make any sense to me. I was a school teacher, like that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So it took me a while to like really process that and be able to do it. But what ended up happening is I had a business partner for a while there and him and I went different directions. And when that happened, I really looked at my portfolio and I decided, okay, what makes the most amount of sense? Do I keep on doing these flips, which I kind of had burned out doing quite frankly. 150 of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, well, do I buy more single families and duplexes and stuff like that? Well, does that really get me where I want and how long is it going to take to really get there? And multifamily just made a lot of sense. So I revisited that and really looked at my portfolio and said, well, first of all, my rentals are making as much or more as the flips as far as ROI goes. So that makes a lot of sense to continue the rentals. And then when we can start scaling and getting into the larger multifamilies, well, that makes a lot more sense. So I had investors that I used for my fix and flips. I just had a conversation with pretty much all of them. 
or with all of them and told them what I was going to plan on doing and wanted them to uh, come with me. And they all said, yeah, let's do it. So they all came along for the ride on the transition and so far so good. Well, that's awesome. So let's switch gears here a little bit, if you don't mind, Todd, and let's talk about working with investors because that's that's kind of my main focus these days. And I'm pretty familiar with how it works up here in Canada, but things are a little bit different in the States. So let's go back to when you were doing fix and flips. Yep. How were you typically structuring those kind of deals with your investor partners? How did, how did you know, without going into too much detail, yeah. big broad strokes, how did that work? Well, so I had two different methods of doing it. And so it transitioned through the years, but the first one was an equity play. They would you know, get me, you know, 50% or 40% or whatever it was of the of the profits. The second one was a, was a debt structure. So they'd get, depends on the time period, but anywhere from like 12 to 15%, they would get on their money. So they, you know, loan straight 100,000, they'd get 12%, 14%, 15%, depending on the, during that time, you know, things, things always kind of changed and adjusted, but that's pretty simple. Yeah. And were they... How were they secured? Were they secured on title of that particular property or another property that you'd have? Or how did you secure them typically? Yeah, mostly just on the property, typically just on the property that we're working on. That you're working on. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And these investor partners, especially the, the first batch, were these people that you kind of knew, people that you had a pre-existing relationship with? How did you how did you find these investor partners? Yeah. So they were either people that I knew or my partner knew and just had some sort of relationship with, you know, none of them, especially my early on investors, none of them were like close friends or family. I shouldn't say that one of them, one of my original investors was a close friend, but for the most part, they're more of just kind of acquaintances that I got to know or referrals too. So that's kind of most of my uh, private investors came like that. Interesting. All right. So then Let's fast forward to 2015. You're making a big switch from doing flips yep. where you're getting your investors 12 to 15%, probably in three or four months. Yeah, it it was, like, yeah. Everything was quick. Yeah, because yeah, you guys you guys had things going on a, yep. on a conveyor belt there, a factory production line, it sounds like. So then you switch from that to a much longer term buy and hold strategy. It sounds like you got a lot of those investors to come on board with you to the new long-term buy and hold, how did you convince them that this is a the way they should be going after they were used to that? Yeah, sure. Well, it was uh, pretty simple, honestly. We just sat down with them and showed them the numbers. So I just would give them some sample deals and say, well, look, here, here's the deal. Here's the return. This is what I'm expecting to get. And does this look attractive to you? And for the most part, you know, when I'm looking at these sample deals, I can go, okay, you're going to get eight to 9% on your money on an annual basis on your cash on cash. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to get an IRR of, you know, 15 to maybe 20% to kind of the higher end. And so when you boil the numbers down, it actually is, is just pretty much just as good because I'm paying a straight 12 at that time I was paying a straight 12% interest, 12% annualized interest. Okay. So simple interest, annualized. So simple annualized interest. So when they look at it, they go, Oh, well, this looks really good. I mean, I'm going to have, yeah, my money's tied up for five years, but they don't want their money back anyway. They, they right. want the they want to recycle it with you anyway. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it, more stable committed investment. And so I think it was a pretty easy transition and they all 
you know, trusted me. I'd given them their money back. They had no reason not to trust me. You had a track record. You had the credibility already. Yep. Yep. And that's really important. You know, obviously as you're somebody going out there and going, well, I want to raise some capital. Well, you know, have you done it before? What's your track record? And so you got to somehow create a track record, whether that's through how I did it, working my way up, or whether that's bringing in partners or whatever you've got to do, but you got to build a, a strong track record. That's going to be vitally important in my opinion. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So Todd, if you don't mind explaining the transition, so it's pretty cut and dry with the fix and flip of a single family home in and out fairly quickly. Yep. Now you're focusing on large multifamily properties and you're syndicating these deals. So for folks that aren't familiar with what syndication is, what does that mean to you? What does that look like with your current properties and your current investors? Yeah, pretty simple. Just pooling a bunch of people's money together. So you might, we might need a couple million dollars, two, three, four, whatever, five, ten. Not, it depends on the size of the deal. But we need, so we, we get two different debt structures, right? So we've got a debt structure with the lender. Okay, they're going to lend seventy, maybe seventy-five percent of the purchase price. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I've got that gap. Then so I got the lender that lend you know, let's call it 70%. And I might have an additional $5 million that I need to come up with. Well, if it's not sitting in my piggy bank, then I've got to figure out how do I get it? And that's going to be brought by the equity partners then. And the equity partners then are my partners. They're limited partners. And all the limited means is that they have limited liability, basically. They've got very limited responsibility. Their their responsibility is bringing money to the table and their liability is their money. So they're limited partners and they're getting a chunk of the deal. So they bring $5 million into the deal. They, In my case, they get 70% of my deal for bringing mm-hmm. that $5 million in. Now, it doesn't mean you bring in all $5 million. Usually, you know, we have 30, 40, 50 investors that are going to bring in that $5 million collectively, and you get that share of whatever you brought in. Nice. It's very similar to investing in like the stock market just with a real estate product set up a little differently, of course, but it's, it's similar. You're getting shares you're very limited in your liability. So what's, for somebody who hasn't, I mean, obviously there's a lot to look into with with syndicating a deal, but are there, do you have to get special consideration with the trade commission, the securities commissions, that kind of thing? Do you have to set set up a corporation? Is, Is it a big, cumbersome, legal, expensive process or is it fairly simple? Oh boy. I mean, that's kind of hard to answer. So you don't have to have any kind of licenses or anything like that. Anybody could do it. You're setting up an LLC typically that's going to buy the property. You're going to have your LLC that's going to be part of the general partnership, which is the controlling partner. Usually there's a controlling partner or partners, and that's called the general partnership. And then you've got the limited partners who are the investors. As far as legal costs, yeah, it's it's I don't know about expensive. It depends, but you know, you're going to spend around $10,000, potentially a little bit less, potentially a little bit more, but you're going to spend around $10,000 and you've got to file with the SEC, you know, whatever rule or exemption you're using. So it's definitely something you want to bring attorneys into the mix and make sure 
everything's done legally the right way for sure. Somebody who's trying to get into it, I think the biggest thing is you've just got to study. You've got to learn. It's like anything. You've got to gain knowledge in it. Maybe you know how to do multifamily, but you've got to also know then how to do syndication. I mean, you have to learn the language. You have to understand the rules and regulations. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be the lawyer, but you have to know enough to understand what you're doing. No, that makes sense. Awesome stuff. So Todd, we're just wrapping up here. It has been very, very interesting. Appreciate it. Do you help other investors out? Do you help people out that are getting into real estate investing, especially multifamily investing? Yeah, definitely. So I do some some mentoring. I've got some paid uh, one-on-one coaching that I do. I also do some group coaching as well, or mastermind. I call mastermind groups, where I bring in a group of, you know, a dozen or so individuals and we we have really solid group calls and and lots of learning lots of content. So I do that and I've got my own podcast as well. It's called Pillars of Wealth Creation. Anybody can listen to that of course after they listen here. And so that's definitely passionate about that. Like I said I used to be a teacher and so now I'm kind of back into teaching just in in real estate. That's right. Well that's a, that is an awesome Awesome, complete come around. So if people want to yep. find out more about you, Todd, what should they what should they do? Where should they go? Sure. A couple different websites they can visit, venturedproperties.com. They can connect with me in any capacity, honestly. But if they want to learn more about investing or just anything that I got going on, that they're definitely there. There's some blogs and, and they can view my podcast there as well. The other site is coachwithdexdex.com. And they can definitely learn more about my coaching if they want to get involved with that or just have a, a free call and to kind of discuss if it's right for them. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you very much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. It's been great. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. All right, everybody. Stay tuned. See you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at InvestorAttractionDemo.com. Take care.